What's up guys, I'm Alex at GeneralGeibel.com Welcome to the 22nd episode of the Heart Dance Producer Network podcast This is part 2 with the interview with Hyrule War The Dutch French core DJ and producer and 50% of Super Trash Bros If you haven't checked out the first part of the interview already I could say you suck, but I just recommend just check it out right now and now we're getting back to the second part. I'm not gonna talk as much as I did on the last intro. As you can see, I still look the same. That's just because I'm recording everything on the same day. As cool as it is. If you don't see me, it's because you're listening it on the audio side. So for everybody who's watching it on YouTube, this podcast is also available on Apple Podcasts, on Spotify, and wherever you get your podcasts from. Let's get into the episode. We're gonna talk about Super Trash Bros. We're gonna talk about the troll face. We're gonna talk about his favorite countries to play in and we're gonna talk about a lot of other stuff like his new label and shit like that without further ado welcome to the second part of the interview with hyrule war enjoy you're listening to the hard dance producer network the number one producer podcast for the harder styles hosted by general geibel Let's talk about uh, the Super Trash Bros. What? Uh, t tell us a little bit. That's like a collaboration project between you and Sprinky. Just wait one second. Yeah. There you go. You're you're Luigi. So I have to be prepared for this. <laughs> Appreciate the extra effort. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So I'm super trash boss now. <laughs> so uh, the, the thing is, um, I, I had this uh, live act with Cyclone going before, not super trash boss, but I, I wanted to, to, to do a live act. And with Cyclone before he left the, the French core scene, I had this live act going on and I really enjoyed it. But Cyclone uh, quit French core altogether. He was a bit fed up with it. And um, then I collaborated a lot with Sprinky. And then he came to me, he was like, dude, how about we do this, this, this Mario and Luigi thing? That can work. We, we gotta try this. <laughs> so uh, we approached VKGen and we were like, yo, we have this idea. We're gonna buy Mario and Luigi costumes and we're gonna play new music for this super trash bros life act we just came up with. Uh, are you okay with that? And he was like, yeah, sure, you can give it a try. Uh, we put you at the, the sickest new year. And then we saw the timetable and we were like half an hour before the sick squad came up and we made a lot of crazy music and I, I'm a huge, huge Nintendo fan. I mean, yeah. I war. I mean, of course I'm a Nintendo fan. Yeah. So I went to my internal music library and we just took Mario or or other Nintendo samples, put a kick drum below it, and that's it. And um, we, we we went to this Sickest uh, uh, New Year party and I was nervous as fuck, man. I mean, what if it fails? I mean, it's th th this whole setup, it's it's so wrong. Yeah. I mean, everything is wrong about it. It's, it's like you have this 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 one hour at the radio station with the with the bad Fango Boys music. Right. This is how we felt. <laughs> yeah. And we played, and the crowd went nuts, and we the, the, the room was packed. And then the second squad came, and they played versus D-Test, Industrial. And the crowd actually started to slip away a little bit. Like, 
<laughs> and, and now it's even so crazy. We, we played at DEFCON uh, last year. We had uh, both our solo sets. And now we had a decent amount of crowd. And then we had Super Trash was later. What? Yeah. What? How can this be more uh, uh, popular than our solo acts? It's, it's so weird because the music is so simple. We even, sometimes we even rip kick drums tweak them a little bit and yeah and yeah, yeah it works so that just release it yeah and sometimes it's probably also, create, it's pro- probably also the gimmick you know it's, yeah it, 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 for, it's for the, the people it's entertaining you know the gimmick is definitely important yeah and, and we we took a big risk with just these this simple music because we were like yeah it's not like we have to prove that we can make music because we have our solo acts for that we make yeah. technical music on that part and so i was like yeah we can just Sometimes steel kick drums, sometimes we make kick drums, and then we're gonna do some, uh, uh, yeah, just take a melody, low cut it, put a kick drum, take some snares, that's yeah. it. But it, it works because also it's so simple. The idea is it's simple but effective, and I yeah. think that that really works and it resonates well with the crowd. And you play that act, you is it, is it like a live act or you DJ when when you perform? Both. <laughs> Both, okay. Yeah, yeah. Spring Tea does all the, the mixing, most of the mixing. Sometimes we do switch a little bit. And then I take this uh, this APC40 controller and use it as a soundboard. So I have these, these Nintendo sounds and I, I uh, play those live. Oh, okay, okay. So you, you put them co- uh, on top of, of, of the track. So, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we mainly have three mixer channels, two for the mixing, and then one is my channel, which I use to wear it <laughs> Just, like, just well, for the little sound. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. <laughs> 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 that's cool. You also played Mass of Hardcore last year, right? Yes, with Super yeah. Trash Bros. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's it's. I guess it's also from like the business perspective, not 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 bad, right? Because you know, some promoter who wants to book Super Trash Bros gonna also book you as like individual acts on his. Yeah, and, and then we uh, can offer the 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 solo sets or the super trash set for a discount it depends of on what course. they want so when bkj gets an offer for like yeah we want to book hyrule war and we want to book Sprinky, and then they're like yeah sure would you like uh, super trash versus discount yeah, yeah of course of course of course i mean you're <laughs> there anyway right um, yeah exactly the, they, they're gonna pay course. the flight and everything anyway so why not yeah. get another act on top yeah and then they usually get the the, the second act for a cheap price yeah of course makes sense and then we get uh, paid somewhat extra, and I'm okay with that. <laughs> yeah, but, 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 but uh, and I also really like to do those sets. I mean, they are really, really fun to do. The, the crowd is, is so different. I mean, you attract different people. With Hyrule and Sprinky, you mainly attract people who appreciate your music. Yeah. And with Super Trash Bros, you attract a lot of people who are like, this is crazy. I'm crazy. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. And, and that gives a different experience for yeah to for the for me as a DJ as well. And that's a cool thing. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, I guess I guess like those whole gimmick things, even though you know they're always like a little bit looked down at, but they are so effective because it's, it's it's still entertainment, you know. Yeah, and I I think that. Um, as a pro- from a producer standpoint, I think I'm pretty much safe because I have this this high reward thing going on, which I I do my best to actually make technically good music. So I had nothing to lose with the super trash, but I think that super trash takes the uh, the aspect of being a DJ to a different level. And same goes for GPF. I mean, you can hate on this guy all you want, 
But one thing is for sure. This guy is an absolute perfect DJ. I mean, yeah, it, it, I don't like the, the beep, beep, beep. I don't like it. But he knows how to, to make a crowd crazy. He can actually throw inflatable dicks in the crowd and they fucking love it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. we actually give you guys Mario music, and apparently you like it. I mean, I mean, it's stupid. I mean, but but that's the next level of DJ giving actually something stupid to the crowd and yeah. make them love it. Yeah, yeah. Actually, that's also yeah with uh, GPF is same thing, right? Yeah. Still I mean, to this to this day, like uh, people like still debating if like you know he's sitting at home and think like what a bunch of idiots they are. Yeah, I mean, isn't it wonderful that you have these these fitness bodybuilder guys without a t-shirt walking around with an inflatable dick and think they are cool? I mean. If I would tell my friends about it, they're like, yeah, those guys are gay. No, they're not. They're listening to GPF, man. And now yeah. it's cool. I yeah. mean, isn't it wonderful if you actually put this in the hardcore scene? I mean, yeah. you're brilliant if you make it up and actually make it work. I mean, that's next level DJ stuff, man. Yeah, and I also, also think it's... it's um it's cool for a change, you know, like we get so many gimmicks where all are like the hottest motherfucker in the world. Everybody got like some she mask and shit. And it's like, everybody's like, ah, you know, and like, you know, then like people come up and bring in some fun back to the music, you know, it's, it's hard yeah. music. Let the music be hard, but let's let it be entertaining. Let's have some fun, you know, and the people yeah. uh, with GPF and also with uh, you guys, the people having fun, you know, and that's what it's about. I mean, like, you know, they like, uh, they, they might maybe like the music, maybe not, but at least they are there and they're having fun. Yeah, and I, I think that's the most important thing. Um, in uh, a few days, I actually have this this Phoenix uh, 100 gig going on. I mm. played as High War and I played as Super Trash and I read uh, some of the comments of the lineup announcement and I was one of those guys, oh, Super Trash was, can it be even more happy? Yeah. I mean, why not? I mean, what what's the aren't you happy you're finally going to party again? I yeah. mean, it's 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 only for 30 minutes. It's it's a bit of entertainment. It's it's yeah. not technical and if you don't like it, I, I I can fully understand why. I mean, it's simple Mario music with a kick drum. Yeah. Of course there's some reason not to like it. But other than that, I I've, it's not about the music only it's, it's it's about the whole experience yes yes everything together and i yeah. think that's the same with gpf if you just take a gpf song of course it's shit i don't like it <laughs> but let's let's face it this guy knows how to throw a party yeah, yeah. if you look at this, the, the aftermove from just the gpf parties he's fucking good yeah, it's a it's it's a it's a full concept. It just yeah. works and it's good. Yeah, and, the know. whole package is is entertainment, and, yeah. and that part works. If you just take out one aspect, yeah, it's shit. Yeah, yeah, but that's that's um uh, since you mentioned it, that's also like always a big problem. Like, uh, the comments on the internet never really represent the reality you know that's that's a no. big issue because you see what when it comes down to gpf right um the full internet is full of hate you know there are like a couple of guys who are stepping in it's like no it's not that bad i actually like it but uh let's face it like 90 percent of all comments on the internet about gpf are just more tending to be more on the bad side but then again you got another party there are a couple of thousand people 
everybody goes fucking wild. So the promoters make money. Uh, people have a good time. You know, he makes some money. You know, it's 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 a it's a good concept. And you got like you got like you know on the internet you got like 200 mean comments about how shit everything is. And on the other side you got 2,000 people going crazy, having a great time. And that's that's a big issue with with the whole fucking internet because sometimes you get yeah. the impression um, something is hyped which is not or you get the impression something is hated which is not you know yeah that, that that that's the focal minority yeah yeah exactly those those people you know who got the need to express their opinion and usually those are the people who don't have the opinion like everybody else have because you know um If if we all like ice cream, we're not gonna all write, yeah, I like ice cream. But if I'm the one who doesn't like it, I'm gonna say, no, you all are idiots. You know, I'm got the, I got the right taste. I don't like you know chocolate ice cream or whatever. Yeah, it, 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 it's a vocal minority that can actually totally uh, change your view of of whatever. I mean, even let, let's say if, if you play at a party for 200 people, and you have 199 people who have a wonderful evening. And there's this one guy who comes up to you and like, man, you played your worst set ever, man. Yeah. What are you going to remember from that night? Only that. You, Only that. You thought you played your worst set ever. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's even even like, you know, when you upload a track, maybe on YouTube, you know, you get like 100 comments, 100 thumbs up. Everybody's like fucking awesome. You got one thumbs down and one comment like, oh, that's uh, like, this is shit. You automatically ignore the 100 good comments you only think yeah like, yeah oh, fuck, that's, that's how it works yeah unfortunately yeah, yeah. unfortunately yeah and um yeah that's a problem like sometimes we attempted to believe what we see on the internet and we forget that um usually it's not like that usually that doesn't represent the reality it's just like a couple of people who got an unpopular opinion and therefore they got the need to share their unpopular opinion because like i said if uh, we all agree on something there's no point to say it you know that's why True. you know when you see um some facebook posts some promoters like who should we book next you never see those names who playing everywhere who fill up full clubs and you know do everything you know you always see some weird as fuck dudes you never heard of before you know it's, well it's, it's usually you see those names and then one of those guys are like what <laughs> yeah. but it, it's usually it's, it's the same like four of the same names and then one of those that's somewhere there yeah. and Yeah, and but this uh, is the lineup again. <laughs> I, I, I see it all the time. Like, you know, if there's like you know, some raw style promoter, it's like, who should we book next? There are like a bunch of people I never heard of. And you don't see the big players in Rosta. You don't see Warface. You don't see Radical Redemption. You know, maybe somewhere like all, all the way down. And in the <laughs> comments, definitely not. And then they're like, yeah, this would be nice. It's like, where do you find those? You know? yeah, and when they get 300 votes and then the party itself happens and then they have 20 people in front yes. of the stage. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yeah. I, even, I even witnessed that at uh, on, uh, on one party here in that area. You know, also same thing, like, uh, you know, I'm not going to mention the name, but, you know, uh, was like an up-tempo and like, we want this guy and like, you know, had like so many votes and they booked him and yeah, it was like something like 50 people, you know. Uh, yeah. <laughs> that, that's awkward <laughs> when it happens. <laughs> yeah, it, um, it, it sucks. It sucks, definitely. But again, you know, 
you shouldn't really believe what you read. I got this this thing always um, with terror with that music, and I had Doctor Terror on the podcast, and I asked him because for some reason, no matter where I am on Facebook, it's always something about terror. I had the impression it's like the most hyped genre in all hard dance music because wherever I am, at what party I am, like every time somebody's talking about terror or writing about terror. So I asked Dr. Terror, is that just what I see or is that the reality? And he's like, no, I don't think so. He says, like, I got the impression Terror went even a little bit down. So <laughs> it, it, that, That's also the thing. Then there, there are always some people who are like, ah, Terror! Yeah. And then you play some actual Terror and then you only got like five people in front of your stage and then the rest is like, ah, let's, it's just this final song. Let's back off a little bit. Yeah, like a, a buddy of mine play plays French core, and like every time at the beginning of the set, there's like one dude. Usually, you know, he got a cap like that, glasses, comes over. Are you gonna play tarot? You know. And at one party, he played a tarot track at the end of the set, and then one day, dude came over and asked him if he can play sapphire. You know, it's like the fuck you guys. <laughs> so, uh, I guess you can't please everybody. There's always something. <laughs> There's always something. Yeah. Yeah, man. Um, do you have some good piece of production advice, which you know you wish you would have learned earlier, or if a young producer would ask you for one piece of production advice, what what would be your best one? My production advice would be: don't try to be too technical. Just Keep it easy, focus on what, whatever you can do. If you focus on what you can do, then you, you can bit by bit complete your track. If, if you're like, oh man, I, I, I'm not good enough to make a whole track myself. I, I don't even know how to make a melody. Well, focus on what you can do. I mean, you, you can make four sounds like beep, beep, beep. All right, then try to make one go like beep, 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 beep. And continue just focus on what you can do from where you're standing at the moment if you yeah. keep on doing that the rest will go by itself really good advice really good advice actually uh, i also always feel like uh just yesterday and I, i made a live stream and somebody was like yeah like you know how to sample trailer music and make it work and like how to build it and stuff and it's like dude if that's not your thing try something that you can you know so i guess uh, this is a really good advice that you gave because a lot of people you know they hear a track um somebody made something and it's like oh i want to do something like that but if you are not capable of doing that just you know let it be you know <laughs> so yeah and if, if you're uh let, let's say you want to be a french core producer and then you suddenly hear a raw style track like yeah i gotta try and make something like that i mean Why? Yeah. Why should you? Yeah. Yeah. What, what? What? What's the point? I mean, sure, you can try and make a different genre someday. Yeah. Someday, but if you you always see those starting producers like they're producing for one year and then they have an industrial track, they have a drum and bass track, they bring you a raw soul track and a French core track, and like, all of them suck. Jack of all <laughs> trades, master of none. <laughs> yeah, yeah. What is actually your view on what's going on in French core right now because i've been um 
it's it's a, a while ago i've been like um, checking now it seems to get better but for a while there was like this trend that everybody tried a little bit to um copy like the peacock and billig style so basically what i heard all the time was like some mantra indian sample and some kick which has nothing to do with what you heard before just like a sample building up to exactly nothing just the kick um what yeah. is your take on this whole like no originality it's like we take the biggest players and just try to do what they're doing without even trying yourself to come up with something yourself i, th I think it's very much understandable but not a good thing i mean as a begin as a beginner you want to, to to have your gigs coming in and and you want to get popular and stuff like that so of course you're going to copy what's the most popular thing you had it with yeah. Safa as well when he started to grow everyone started to do pitch kicks hardstyle like melodies and stuff like that i mean it's understandable because he's one of the biggest players in the scene now you you have peacock or billax indeed and then They start to do the mantra things, psytrance kicks in French core. I mean, of course, they're the biggest players. They're going to do their thing. Um, so when you try to do your own stuff, then you, will, you won't get noticed as fast because you have to come up with something equally as brilliant if you want to be noticed. So it's an understandable thing. But yeah, I really want people to focus on what they can do and what's in their own uh, street. I mean... Otherwise, you never get a new Radium, never get a new Safa, stuff like that. Do, do you think it will work out for anybody? Or do you know anybody who it worked out for, uh, copying <laughs> what's big right now and like worked out big time? Because when we look, like you know, you said, like the three biggest players, Dr. Peacock, as far as I remember, when he came on the scene, he was doing something that nobody was doing with like all yeah. these cheesy samples and everything. Actually, uh, I think... That's it's how you have to start. You have to copy at first to develop your own style. When Peacock, you said he was doing something that nobody was doing. Actually, yes, he was. He was copying Cardiac from France. You know him? No. Ah, you have to look it up. It's it's Indian-like samples with a kick drum below it. And that's okay. how Peacock started as well. Okay. And um, Sefa also started to copy Peacock at first. Yeah. I started to copy Peacock at first. And Billex came from a different genre, so that's hard to compare because he came yeah. out from hard techno. But everyone starts to copy someone at first, and you have to do this to, to learn the ropes and to develop your own style. But not every copied song has to be put online. <laughs> that's a good one. <laughs> that's a good one, yes. Yes. If I listen to my very first French core tracks, I mean, heck yeah, that's wanna be Peacock for sure. <laughs> yeah, and I put some of them online. That when I listen to them now, I'm like, oh god, why? why? Yeah, there was there was a period of time. I think it was around that time where uh, Trip to Ireland really blew up. Uh, that like that that was French core. You know, if like you look for a french core track every track was like that yeah, yeah. yeah. All, all those 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 crazy uh weird cultural melodies with a kick drum below it yeah, yeah. of course yeah. <laughs> yeah i mean um yeah I, i guess i guess that that's that's something that's normal and that's uh going on in every genre i i, I never can really understand it i mean yeah you say something right maybe at some point you got to at least like you know use something as a guideline yeah you have to learn the ropes at yeah first. yeah 
but um yeah i don't i don't i can't really think of anybody uh who went like really big and we're talking like really big who um continued copying like no no in the end let's say at, at first peacock of course copied cardiac but now he's fully developed and like fully developed yeah. his own style same goes for seva he, he started copying peacock at first yeah but if you take seva and peacock they're like this so yes, yeah they both have gone their own ways and now seva's big because he did his own thing but yeah, yeah you have to start somewhere to learn the ropes and then the sooner you develop your own style the better Sefa did like a very brilliant thing because he's really appealing to the hard style people that's um that's working really good for him i once played on also one of those big german disco clubs and talked to the resident and he was like yeah like two weeks ago we had Sefa, and he was like uh it's the weirdest thing to play after him he said he was like because if you start playing french core the hard style people will leave if you start playing uh hard style the french core people will leave because he pulls both you know so yeah, <laughs> like yeah whoever... I, I i noticed a dominator i played uh, a dominator some time ago and i played right after sefa so i had a good time slot and um uh, even before I even hit the play button, I already saw massive crowds leaving the French core area. Yeah. And it was like, oh, there was it was the, the time that he played in the French core area, which was actually closed off because it was too busy when he was playing there. And I had to play after him. Yeah. And uh, I was, people weren't even giving me a chance. They were just leaving because Sefa was done. <laughs> uh, oh, man. So the first 10 minutes of the set was just people <laughs> leaving. Uh, uh. And it was so awkward. <laughs> yeah, that happened to me once. I played after Dr. Peacock. Uh, also, pr press play. Uh, 30 seconds until the kick comes in. I set everything up. Kick comes in. I look up. Empty. <laughs> like, <Yeah>. really? <laughs> 30 fucking seconds. They, they aren't giving you even a chance. And, yeah. and, and that's where you come back to the part where we talked about tracks becoming shorter and stuff. I think... With, with short tracks, there's a there's a faster way, a faster pacing you set to keep the people interested. Yeah. You're not giving them a chance to leave. I mean, here, this ready man, dude. We're yeah. seconds in and it's my fourth track. No, I mean, no. I mean, probably, probably if I would have started the set right away with a drop, maybe I could have <laughs> hold five people more, you know, but I guess yeah. they would have leave, left anyway. Cause no, that, that, that's the mind of people. They're like, peacock, bye. Over, over here, it's crazy. He's so big over here you can't imagine it's like he's like really selling out clubs but big time and um those are not those people who actually going to holland and everything so he really managed to do a crossover thing because he's pulling people who aren't into hard dance music they come to see him so that's a genius move i would really yeah. like to know how he done it but it's yeah. amazing the, the, this guy is so good in in in, in his marketing, in his selling point, Dr. Peacock is really, he, he definitely knows what he's doing. And I have no clue whatsoever. You, you also have this thing, uh, and Sefa has this as well. Let's say if we would play, if both of us would play a French corset and we play a, a Sefa track or a Peacock track, then the crowd's like, oh, yes, that's a Sefa track. Ah, oh, nice. But when they play their own track, everyone is joining in and then yeah. you're like, oh, man. 
If we yeah. play the track Musica, like da da da, yeah. da da da, we we put the fader down below and they keep singing. Like, ten people are like da da da, but if they do, then the whole club is singing. Like, yeah. oh, fuck off, man! What am I doing wrong? <laughs> yeah. I, I play the same track. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's 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 amazing. So I played um, in the same club. Uh, so I played one party with Dr. Peacock, and this place was packed i think I, i believe there was like capacity like one and a half thousand or something and um it was packed but it was not your typical hardcore crowd you know you had a couple of people wearing like peacock merch but almost no hardcore merch at all like you know those are the regular people who come to this club every weekend but it was yeah. like a big event and in the same club i played three months later and there was warface who is actually also very big name in a way bigger market. So, you know, you would expect like, okay, like if Dr. Peacock filled it up, probably like with Warface, they will stand on top of each other. But there have been less people. Can you imagine that? Yeah, that, that's a weird thing sometimes. Sometimes even bigger raw names, they have like 300k likes when Peacock is like 200. Yeah. And... <laughs> but there's there's such a crazy hype around him it's it's crazy and like like i said i guess the big difference between maybe warface and dr peacock in the same club was actually that people who not listening to this music came to see him while people don't come to see warface if they're not into raw style you know what i mean yeah, yeah, yeah. he kind of managed it to <laughs> to to make him a star, you know, <laughs> like that, that's like so like be be Paris Hilton or something, you know. People don't want to see Paris Hilton DJ; they just want to see Paris Hilton. <laughs> yeah, I, I I don't know how they managed to do this, man. <laughs> it's crazy, but it's 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 good. It's good for um, everybody, you know. It's it's really good for everybody because maybe out of those one and a half thousand people, um. You know, maybe there have been like 500 who aren't into that music and maybe out of those 500, 100 will check out more stuff and maybe out of those 100, 50 will stay with the genre, you know, so and maybe will, you know, become Hyrule War fans or... Uh, that's good thing <laughs> yeah but yeah it, it, it's diff difficult how to uh, actually predict what will happen with, with, with those... Uh, Yeah, somewhat unstable markets like that. I mean, it, it's crazy that Peacock fills those club nights, but it's hard to predict how things will go compared to Raw Style or whatever. Yeah. Even with Raw Style, every uh, club or DJ has its very own market, so it's so difficult to to predict where the genre will go next. Let's say Warface, yes, he's a big guy, but let's say if Ruler will do the same evening, With less lights, he can get the club filled. Maybe you don't maybe. know. Maybe, yeah. Maybe he would have a hype at the moment. Yeah, that, that's that's what what the 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 strange thing is with hypes, and that's yeah. how that's what makes it so hard to predict uh, predict <laughs> yeah, where stuff is going. Yeah, and also the territory is very important. I remember, like you know, when I played in Russia a couple of years ago, we talked uh, with the promoter, and you know, uh, I was asking like, what's going on with Raw Style, and he says like, no doesn't work at all I, he was like somebody somebody made a party um with radical redemption and it was a big flop you know so at, at that it was i think it was around that time where he like sold out a heineken musical like in 15 oh, minutes you know that's that's so crazy yeah in holland he's he's, he's a big thing <laughs> yeah 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 and then you think like okay like you know you guess like you know if he 
I sells know. that shit out in 15 minutes that you know you would at least get like thousand people in Moscow where 14 fucking million live that you know you would yeah. get like <laughs> but I think I know where it comes from I think it's because that that starting uh, roster producer actually phoned him from Russia and uh, yo your days are over <laughs> your days are <laughs> You've seen that, right? I've seen it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's so good. That's so good. <laughs> so I, I made my creepy one. kick. Time to call Radical Redemption. Your day's <laughs> yeah, over. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'm coming. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So you so, fuckers, now you know. Hyrule War watches my shit on YouTube. <laughs> I even use your samples, so you know I do. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, but the, the, the Mark thing is really weird. Even when I uh, have a look in my uh, my uh, followers and I, I look at the, 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 where the people are coming from and then Germany and Holland are on top. And I'm, yeah, that's logical because I live around here. So that's, uh, that's easy to understand. And then... Uh, You can also look at different cities and then yeah. Amsterdam is on top and Hamburg is pretty high, but Vienna is high as well. Yeah. Austria itself as a country is pretty low. There are not many people from Austria who like me, but Vienna itself is up. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I've played a couple of times in Vienna. I, I fucking love that place, but it's it's weird that just a single city from a different country is, is up in there and then the rest of the country is right. has no clue who I am. Right, right, right. That's, yeah, yeah. It's pretty weird. Especially, especially, I guess it's interesting to see what's going on in Germany because there are like certain territories in Germany where hardcore is very popular and certain where people haven't heard about it. You know? Yeah, but but uh, Germany is, is so big that you can play in some clubs and then you have to play your most commercial set and then you have to play Trip to Island or people will walk away. Yeah. And then there are some other areas where you have to close your set with Yeah. <laughs> and then like the whole crowd is like, yeah, finally you gotta play Speedcore. Yeah. That's, that's Germany. That's so cool about that. Yeah, that, that, that those are those are also like I said, like the territories. Also, like when you play like yeah. in in West Germany, you know, Oberhausen, Dortmund, this whole area, uh, there the people are more um, used to hardcore and stuff. So you know, there you will get away with like more underground and hardship yeah, yeah. and stuff. Uh, if you go more in the north, I, I I believe you played here in Kiel too, right? Yeah, yeah. I, yeah, multiple times. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm 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 very close to that. I live very close to that club. And um, yeah, there you got a different crowd, you know. There, uh, they, they got more commercial. Yeah, yeah, they got already used since they're doing that since a long time, like those parties. But still, you better off to play some trip to Ireland and stuff like that. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> so yeah, that that's uh, that's that's a very interesting thing, actually. Like you know how like the different areas really differ. Yeah, yeah, I, I can remember that. So sometimes in Obaus and in the Tabinale, in the, the the smaller areas, I I had some set. I, I had sixty minutes set, and last fifty minutes of my set with tripped noise, kick, complex music. Yeah. Ah. <laughs> I played stuff like that. Yeah. I loved it. Yeah, yeah, and, and sometimes you're you're in Germany and you're you're not topping to ten BPM because. Yes. That's yeah. too fast already. Those places also exist. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they do. So th that's the fun thing about Germany. It's always uh, you have to be prepared for anything. Yes, yes, yeah. You 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 better have a lot of tracks in your record box. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you better be able to read the crowd. It's it's definitely yeah, yeah. some work to play here. 
Yeah, yeah, but but if it works, now you have a fucking great evening. Yeah. What what is um like out of your experience like the um main difference between the crowd in Holland and the Germany or is there a difference? Oh yeah, there's a difference. I think the the crowd in Holland is spoiled. Yes, right. I I, I don't know how, <laughs> I how to say, say that, but I also think that. Yeah, yeah, but uh, I don't know how it is now with the coronavirus going on. I think everyone is going nuts when they have a party now. But uh, let's say in 2019, it was a spoiled crowd for sure. I mean, if if in Holland uh, you're just a general up-tempo French girl lover, then every weekend you can go either to Party Razor, Sefa, Dr. Peacock, or Billex. You have one of those four. Every weekend you can go to them. Yeah. And if you are Hyrowar or General Gaibo playing with the 200 BPM alias, I don't know. Let's see. Then, <laughs> <laughs> that's a secret. <laughs> then, um, then it's hard to go there and make the crowd go nuts. Sometimes, yes, of course, you have places and people love you and yeah. uh, they, they know you and they will come for you. But the most people will come for either Party Racer, Pico, Sefa, or Ben. And even, even then, I, even then, I always got the feeling, even when I watch them, yeah, the place is packed and everything, but you still got to run with a taser and taser those fuckers so they start moving, you know? Yeah. Because yeah, they, yeah. they don't move. That's that's a big problem, what I got. Like, you know, yeah, you got a big party and they're like, it's packed and it's cool and the vibe is good, but nobody is dancing. Yeah, that, that's true. Or they, they dance to the first 10 seconds of your kick and then they're standing still. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, that, that, that's also happening. But, yeah, that's because I think they're really spoiled. They, they're used to the biggest names in, in the scene. And yeah. if you're not one of the biggest names, then they don't really care too much. The, the weirdest... A lot of lovers do care, but the, the overall crowd doesn't. Yeah. The weirdest thing that I had uh, was on the last Masters of Hardcore. So I wanted to check out the Sefa set. So I went from one area to the other. And then I went to the main area. And I had to go all the way from the back to the uh, VIP or relations or what it was. Mm -hmm. To the deck all the way in front. And there was Party Razor and Bulletproof playing. And I could easily go all the way from the back in the front through the crowd without like anybody hitting me or anything because nobody was dancing you know they've been of course they've been banging like on 250 bpm but yeah they're, they're like brain dead like and it was crazy because it's a big fucking area yeah. you know take me 10 minutes from one end to the other to go and nobody jumped in front of me was dancing i had to move around and go around people have been standing in little groups and i could just walk around them easily you know <laughs> Yeah, that, that that yeah. I don't know. I mean, sometimes I'm at parties and then everybody's standing still like a massive brick, and then you have to <laughs> come through. That that's sometimes a dominator or a defcon depends on where you are. And sometimes, yeah, yeah at masters when there is a bigger area, then you can easily walk through everyone. Yeah, and uh, yeah, it's it's really fun to compare it with different countries like Belgium, for example. Oh man, that's a weird crowd. Belgium. Have you ever been to Belgium? Mm, I didn't play in Belgium, but I've been there on a couple of parties. Right. Yes. So everybody is is like standing, staring at you when you're playing. And then you walk up to them, dude. Are you even enjoying it? Man, you're the <laughs> best of my life, man. That's Belgium. <laughs> Fucking classic. But I also experienced that also at other parties. Like you got a dude, like he's looking at you and you think like, oh shit, like what the fuck? I'm a trouble, man. And I have man of the best evening of my life. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I had that once. I was about like really 
because he pissed me off. He was standing from me, was like super aggressive. And I was about to pull down the fader and ask him like, what's your fucking problem? I, you know, I was like, okay, I'm not going to do that. And after the set, he came over, dude, that was uh, fucking awesome. Thank God I didn't call him out. <laughs> and then, uh, yeah, you have uh, the people in, in Spain and Italy. Those, those people are crazy. Yeah. Like crazy in a good way. And uh, France, it's like Germany, it, it depends on which area you are. Sometimes they go totally nuts like Spain and other French people are like, yeah <laughs> well what is what is your craziest crowd what you experience like if you could say like a nation where you say like out of your experience that was like the craziest thing ever ah i have multiple crazy experiences that i re that really stay with me for sure i love the vienna crowd that that's 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 on top of uh, me uh but i i also love uh manchester those those people are Oh, I love Manchester. Manchester. <laughs> uh, my, my English is pretty decent. Yeah. But what I don't want to say, I don't fucking want to say, I don't know what to say. I need fuck subtitles. I don't know why I need fuck subtitles. I don't know something. But I love A really it. good impression <laughs> of that. <laughs> <laughs> and, and maybe someone from Manchester is listening right now, like, dude, what the yeah, fuck are you talking I'm about? Unfollow. <laughs> fuck that dude. <laughs> uh, I, I, I once went to Russia as well and Moscow and those yeah. people are really awesome as well yeah, so crazy. there are multiple things that are really you, you, uh, you played for, for Ruslan right? Gaiva yeah yeah, yeah, Ruslan, yeah. Ruslan from Russland yeah yeah, 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 yeah. I played for him twice. Uh, yeah, awesome. he's, he's a cool guy. Really awesome guy, him. and also yeah. the people over there—they are so awesome. Like you know, yeah, I, mean, yeah. I mean, no, I played three times for him already, and like, you know, <laughs> you lucky bastard. Yeah, 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 and it's always so great, and like the people—they already like you know at the party they already like you know welcoming me bringing me presents yeah, like, yeah. one couple they always give vodka, me vodka. <laughs> yeah they always like yeah this is a present for you a bottle of vodka and it's like dude i'm tra traveling with like hand luggage you know yeah, yeah no problem we drink <laughs> some cars it, it's drink. finished before you hit the plane <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I was like come on like, uh, thanks but you know i can't take it with me yeah it's a present <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah that, that, that's really awesome stuff when, when stuff like that happens but yeah and i i remember i was once uh playing in uh oh, what, what was it uh i think it was uh manchester or glasgow no no this was manchester i i i went there and uh, there was this uh i was backstage i was just chit chatting with what's what, what maybe over there manchester i was <laughs> manchester. <laughs> manchester and i was talking with some people and then smashed open and there was this this big tall brown guy standing there where is he where is he and i sh nearly shit my pants man and he, he pointed at me there he is and he walked to me or he stormed right at me he pulled me up and he gave me a hug <laughs> I was so relieved at the moment. I mean, I, I'm not much of a muscle guy, but he was. Yeah. yeah. I was like, oh my God, what's he doing? And he just gave me a bro work and he was a fan of my music. Oh, well, not bad. <laughs> how, how are the Scottish? Yeah. Oh, nuts. I, I, I right? really like, I like to, like to play in Glasgow as well. They, they're the Scouts. 
they dance really weird, but with every kick drum, they look and oh man, that gives me goosebumps every time. Yeah, that that's a good feeling. Yeah, that, that that's definitely on my bucket list. That someday you go to Scotland and check it out. What's going on there? I know a couple of them, and like you know, the hardcore people from Scotland—they're all crazy. Yeah, yeah, but but also you, you need subtitles there. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, like do. they they don't speak fucking English. <laughs> no, no. When I, when I talk with GPF in person, uh, I also need subtitles already. <laughs> yeah, it's always like, can you speak English, please? <laughs> no, I'm not. We both know no natives, but try. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> cool thing. Do you have um, some business advice for the people who are listening to? Business advice, like uh, for the for the, the the DJs trying to to get out there, or DJs trying to get out there, producers trying to ghost produce. I don't know, like people who want to do something in the music industry who will yeah. kind of at some point deal with business and yeah, the, will at some point get fucked over unless you tell them don't do that. All right, the the, the thing is. If for beginning DJs who want to call up with everyone and do stuff together, try for your own and uh, only call up uh, with people you know for sure that they can take you higher. You, you see starting producers collabing with their friends and yeah. they make the song and uh, the friend is just sitting there. But yeah, yeah, we, we call up, we're going to come back together. No, don't do that. We want your name to stand out, not... Yeah everyone or or your 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 gang's names no we, we want your name just start for yourself and um to to get there approach the right people know which companies to approach or which djs i mean people like uh pico seva Bilex, or even big companies like uh mega rave uh, party razor recordings they always tend to reply yeah so center music to the people you want to work with. Yeah, that's a good advice. And I got a couple of follow-up questions on that. <laughs> If that's okay. Sure. Bring it up. <laughs> what's your whole take on this whole call-up thing? Because in the past years, it seems like nobody's making solo tracks anymore. It's like everything is call-up, even like two DJs who I know for a fact are ghost produced from different ghost producers make a call-up and stuff. I understand the whole thing from the business perspective. Of course, like, you know, if two people do together, it's like half the work, double the exposure. I understand that. But I always feel like, you know, like Metallica is not going to make an album with System of a Down, you know? Ah, uh, but that, that's that's an entirely different market. I mean, if you, uh, if, a, if a big DJ like... Uh, party racer would would open up his instagram and says yeah who, who should i gonna call up with next there's always advice in the comments like yeah work with with peacock make a track with sefa do this people want to see the collapse as well it's it's also uh, a thing of marketing yeah i mean i even have it as well if i would uh put up a solo track uh then the higher world lovers care but other than that nobody gives a shit of course yeah And if I would uh, ask him, yeah, should I make a call up uh, with uh, somebody uh, like uh, Mr. Bassmeister? Yeah, sure. Come on, do Mr. Bassmeister. Even my followers find it more interesting because they see something they're not used to see. Like, yeah. dude, uh, he's worked with Mr. Bassmeister. Not that he's a big guy, but hey, something new. 
Yeah. That, yeah. That's that's what works. I get it, but you know, I think it's overdone. You know, if like your past uh, twenty releases are eighteen collabs and only two solo tracks. I don't know, like, you know, I wouldn't want to put myself into that position, you know what I mean? Or like, yeah, but a lot of guys putting yeah, out... Then. Yeah? <laughs> blah, blah, blah. <laughs> <laughs> no, because it's also like uh, you, you, you're showing in a way that you can't do it on your own. Yeah. Yeah, I think you have to establish yourself at first and then you can freely do whatever you want. But at first you have to establish yourself. Yeah, that's a really good I, I think, point. I think I think that that's something you have to do at first, but it's also a thing. What's what's hyped on the market at the moment? Yeah, and and what do your followers want at the moment? Because as a DJ, you also have to take your role as an entertainer. Yeah. Now, like I said, you know, from the whole business perspective, I understand, but I always feel like maybe it's not necessary to do too much. Or like, you know, maybe do one call-up, one solo track or something. But there are a lot of guys who built a pretty strong name for themselves. Uh, they don't have any single solo track. You know, me as a fan, I would wonder, like, can he produce actually? Or is he putting his name on, you know? Yeah, that, that's what I would uh, ask myself as well. So I yeah. also tend to uh, balance it out to make sure that I have a lot of solo tracks and a lot of call-ups as well to keep everything interesting. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And as a as a producer, I also learn a lot from collabs for sure. But I want to to prove myself at some point. So yeah, for sure, I totally agree with you. I also like to have a lot of solo tracks. Yeah, of course, of course. Imagine like you know you wouldn't have made any solo tracks in your career, right? And I'm a fan, but I would always ask myself, what does Hyrule War sound when he is by himself? When like you know no other producer is putting in his influence if there's no exactly. outside influence it's only your sound your ideas everything you do how does hyrule war sound i wouldn't know if you haven't made any uh, solo tracks you know yeah yeah i i agree you should establish your your own brand first yeah. before going into collab territory and then only collab at first with people who are going to bring you up higher yeah and and then uh, at some point yes you can start uh, do some uh kind gestures with with collabs with some some newbies that's totally okay i do it with uh, i i just set up a brand new label with sprinky a record label and yes i'm also trying to to find new people and yes i collab with those new people just yeah. to, to get them up but yeah. when i set up their ep uh for example i'm working with uh, the jacuzza now maybe you've seen their names going out on facebook but now that's okay um so they, they sent me in uh, two solo tracks and I'm like, yeah, perfect. So, but to fresh up the EP, uh, I'm going to make a collab with you guys. Yeah. So from a selling point, I can do this uh, collab, but they also have their solo things. So I can promote them in both ways. Yeah. yeah. So that, that's, that's, that's my uh, business uh, strategy in this. That's how Dr. Peacock used to do it, right? On his label. Yeah, I it didn't think always... of this on my own. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was it was always like an EP from somebody with a Dr. Peacock call-up and maybe yeah. also a remix of a Dr. Peacock uh, track. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That that's that's the the selling point of the EP, but also to promote the the artist on themselves. And I think that's that's the perfect strategy and also a good strategy of a record label. Makes makes sense. Makes uh, total sense. Do you get 
a lot of call-up requests from people you never heard about? Uh, yeah, I've had some call-up requests uh, even before they sent in some music. I'm like, dude, I don't even know you. Yeah, yeah. I'm always, I'm, I'm always wondering, um, you know, if like, you know, of course, like smaller guys get it quite often, but I'm always wondering, like, if bigger guys got also the same shit. Like people writing, yeah, I just started making music. You want to call up? It's like, who the fuck are you? And you know, you 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 look on Instagram. It's like you don't even follow me. Like seriously, it's like okay, I'm gonna leave everything here. And we'll start make a call up with somebody I don't know, who just started producing, who doesn't have anything. So it's like, yeah, he gains everything from it. But if you got already sort of a name, you don't have anything out of that. You have more work, potentially a worse track because he's gonna bring in his uneducated, wacky ideas. Uh, he, he doesn't have any following, so he benefits from your following. So like, how yeah. th that doesn't make any fucking sense. No, no, and, and now I am working from label perspective as well because I have this this bombs and bullets label going on, and uh, this is where I only work with with people if I already can see a release coming from them. Yeah. So they, for example, the Jacuzza, they sent me two tracks, and I'm like, yeah, let's make the third one together. That that's a good starting point. Or uh, sometimes uh, there's also this guy uh, uh, Alex. I have heard some. Uh, good tracks from him and um, um he didn't even fully send me the ep but i was like yeah we can make this track together and then you can make the rest of the ep because i'm sure you can figure that out yeah, yeah. so yeah that, that that's that's a cool thing and before that i actually didn't do much collabs with with uh, smaller guys i always tried to aim for the bigger guys but now with this this label going on i think it's cool to work with newer guys Oh, of course, it's a good opportunity yeah. for, for the newer guys. But also but for me to, to get fresh ideas. So we that, both gain from it. That's a good thing. Through that, what, what, what is your overall experience in terms of call-ups? Um, do, you, do, you do you like it more than like making solo tracks? Or um, like overall, like is, is, is making a call-up um, something you would do if it didn't have any advantages for you as an artist, just like for, for yeah, yeah. the whole purpose of music? Yes, uh, you, you always, no matter uh, who you're working with, uh, in this case, if I would work with one of the bigger guys, I learn a lot from it. If I work with uh, newer guys, I also learn from it. I think a call-up is, is a very good way to learn other techniques. If I wouldn't have never done a collab, I don't think I'm as good as where I stand today. And I'm sure of that. In terms of the end result, um, how often do you have a track as a, as a result of a collab where you would say, I would have never done it as good by myself? Or how often you have the opposite where you say, like, if I have it done by myself, it would be better? Ah, that's, that's, that's difficult to say. Sometimes you have uh, uh, a work. You, you make two tracks with with with, uh, with, a, with another DJ and then sometimes everything falls right in the place and sometimes you're just messing around you're like dude what the fuck if I would have just stayed at home and did it myself it would have been better yeah but that that's so different and it differs per day how you're feeling how the other one is feeling it's hard to yeah. tell yeah because I had um, a really good experiences working with vocalists. So like call-ups with people who make vocals. 
but except of a few things and i mean you know through ghost production stuff i worked with a lot of people but except of a few um pretty much all of them i would say like if i have done it by myself without those shitty ideas and shitty sounds which i had to implement it would have been better <laughs> uh, <laughs> um yeah there are not many collaborations uh which i've completed where i say like i'm taking a lot of pride in and i'm very happy with the end result um, so <laughs> yeah, yeah. maybe so, maybe that that's also explaining my view on like why people do too many because i always think like yeah maybe if they would do solo tracks maybe we would have a lot better music instead of like you know killing everything with collapse <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's, it's it's just whatever experience, man. I mean, uh, let's say a, a track like Legends Never Die. That that's a pretty big collab I did with Party Razor and F Noise and MC Psycho. Um, at first, when I uh, proposed the anthem, I made uh, a full track with with the Legends Never Die break, and I I sent it to to Party Razor and F Noise, and then we took the track apart and rebuilt some parts and and uh, the other guys made some parts and the end result i couldn't have done it better i mean yeah. when i take my first initial uh proposal track there are some parts left in it in the final result but other than that i yeah. I've, i don't think i could have done it better yeah and, and i've learned a lot from uh fr from those guys in the studio so that that's a good thing so yeah uh, Sometimes you just just have those collabs, and then you you learn things that you eternally put in your own tracks because they worked. Yeah. Uh, if somebody is approaching you for a collab, do you have like for yourself a certain criteria or certain like um, non-negotiables where you say like this has to be given in order for me to work with somebody or? Uh, yeah like how uh, i mean now we know like if it's a people for your label of course you, you like their music you think they are talented you want to support them that's already the criteria but mm -hmm. like you know if i'm like uh, nobody and i'm gonna send you like five tracks and say like hey wanna call up um what would make you to agree on that um uh, if i would uh listen to the the proposal demo and uh if I can see myself playing this track already, then I'm like, dude, for sure, we're going to call up this. Yeah. Or if I heard some things in that, like, yeah, I totally see myself working with this idea and pressing the play button on a party. If I have this feeling, then we're going to call up. So basically, people should drop you already an idea. They shouldn't uh, yes, just write yes. and say, like, I it, had two releases. Those are the release tracks. Uh, let's do something together. They should already approach you with an idea. And uh, if I don't know the guy before, then yes, they should. Yeah. Uh, they come up with me with an idea. If if you're someone with no musical line and just say, "Yeah, let's call up," no, dude, we're not <laughs> gonna do that. We're not. Then, then yeah, then it's one to zero for me. <laughs> Would uh, you? Yeah. If, if if somebody, let's say, like Mr. Bassmeister. Uh, I don't know the guy personally, but if he would um, send me a message and like, dude, let's call it. I know that this guy has a, a, a full repertoire of tracks on hard tunes and Spotify. So I could totally make a start, send the guy, uh, send the stamps to Hans and he will finish it. 
I, I can trust him on that. I, I'm gonna write him now, dude. Hit up Hyrule War. <laughs> <laughs> so if, if that will happen, then yes, I can make the start. But that that also works with some other producers. Like, um, yeah, if, if I've never worked with them before, but I know them, uh, know their music, I've seen them play, and yes, I can totally make the start. I'm not difficult with that. Uh, have you ever heard of anybody taking money for a call-up? Yes, I have. Yeah. Yes, but th those are mostly the, the MCs. The yeah, okay, with MCs, it's it's kind of a regular thing. But you know, I have a friend. He gets like a lot of call-up requests, a lot. And then you know, we seen um, you know, like for 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 the extra rappers. If I'm a producer and you know, I got a beat. I can totally go to Jay-Z and say, like, I want you on that beat. I got to pay a lot of money, but he will do it. <laughs> yeah. He will absolutely do it. And between rappers, there's even like the thing uh, you can have him on your, you can have like 16 bars. So he will write and record and send it over, but he will, won't do any promotion, anything. Or you can pay even more and he will also make a post on Instagram and stuff. So <laughs> this is a common practice on hip hop. And, you know, we've been thinking like, You know, if like somebody hits you up and says like, uh, I want to make a call up. I just started making music, but I want to make a call up, which is basically it's ghost production. Let's call it how it is, because like he doesn't know he just started. It's ghost production plus social media, because he wants also to uh, take advantage of the following of that artist. So this is kind of a cheap way to get a ghost produced track plus or some social media marketing for free oh wow i've, I've, I've never heard of this practice in the hardcore scene uh, i don't know if it's happening but yeah but you know that's that's where, where, where i thought like you know you should really totally tell those guys like yeah what's your budget would be really interesting to see what would be the response because everybody's hmm. used to yeah yeah it's call up it's for free but what they expecting especially like not bashing on beginners you know i'm all here for the beginners i'm all trying to show beginners how to you know learn and get better that they are no beginners anymore but if somebody tries to do it in a sneaky way to get a track for free plus a bigger name with a following to promote their first track that's yeah. free ghost production plus free marketing So yeah, technically, technically, if I would come to you and it's like, yeah, listen, Rick, I got some ideas. I don't know what Ableton is. I don't know what a snare drum is. And for sure, I don't know what an EQ is, but I want to make a track with you. And I got an idea. I sampled like a song from Jan Tiersen and we're going to use that. And, you know, you do the rest. And of course, it's going to be a call up. My name first, your name second. <laughs> But, you know, we're going to both promote it. You should totally say, hey, Alex, really, seriously, you should pay me. <laughs> uh, no, no, you had me at Jan Thiersen. <laughs> <laughs> Believe me, I've been in the French school for quite some time. It works. <laughs> yeah, I guess I guess it's the most uh, sampled artist in French school. Next to Hans Zimmer. Hans Zimmer is also very much sampled. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, I didn't know that. Probably that's where all the classical samples coming from, right? Yeah, that, that, that was before Jan Thiersen. That was, okay, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I'm like not, not too much in that type of stuff, but my wife, she is listening to a lot of that shit. And like one time I walk in the kitchen, you know, the place where she belongs. <laughs> I hope she's not gonna hear it. 
<laughs> that was just a joke. Anyway, oh, no. and and you know she's cooking the shit she has to do. Another joke. <laughs> I mean, what else would she do in the kitchen, right? All right. And and she's listening to Jan Tiersen. It's like, oh, I know that song, you know. And I'm expecting like to start the build up and shit. And then, oh, that's the original. Okay, cool. You're like, da, 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 yeah. And then then I started I started like browsing through, and there are so many. So many, like uh, every other song from Jan Tiersen's, you find the French code track with him. Yeah, that, that, that's quite a lot in India. He, yeah. he, he is the most featured artist in French code. <laughs> I mean, imagine that, that you're Jan Tiersen or his manager, you're scrolling through YouTube and like, oh, we can get some money from that. We can get some money from that. And let's get some few income from this. Yeah. Yeah, it's, I guess it's not... It's not <laughs> I guess it's not uh, enough place. There are only a couple of guys who really generate those plays where it would make sense really to say, okay. But, you know, we had a topic already with a couple of guys on that podcast and I still believe they know what's going on. The big labels know what's going on. I believe they got an eye on it. They just wait. Because there are only three major labels in the world, which yeah. own 90% of the most popular music so, you know, if somebody is, you know, sampling pretty much everything, chance is good that he's sampling from, from them. And the, he collects plays, he, you know, gets bigger. And I, I believe they're just uh, observing it until there is a point where he got enough from their catalog with enough plays, with enough popularity. And then they and, can instantly shut the whole thing down. And then they come, bam. Yeah, that, that could be true. I mean, I think we're still entering a lot of gray area parts. I mean, some people are sampling enough to get, to get them triggered and some are just sampling in a perfect way that they can get away with it. I mean, I think the hardcore scene is getting more and more cautious with this going on. I mean, yeah. you, can, you can see uh, bigger names sampling less and less. Yeah. Let's say if you would take... Uh, uh, a song from the big guys, let's say even Anger Fist or Peacock or Party Racer, take those older songs uh, from 2013, 2014, and then you can write a letter from, from Sony Music and they, they are bankrupt for sure. But nowadays, the, the 2019, the 2020, 2018 music, you, you, you can't do that anymore. Some yeah. tracks, yes, but I think most are safe by now. It comes. It comes also with popularity, you know. In hardstyle, they you know in the early two thousands, like when hardstyle came up and stuff, they've been sampling like crazy, you know. Even like two thousand ten, they've been still sampling. Um, I don't remember any big track which had like a, a crazy amount of sampling in the past five to ten years in hardstyle. Yeah. Raw style got significantly less because it's also a very, you know, it, it, it gains popularity, the genre. Uh, hardcore, same thing. So, you know, the faster the BPM, the less popular the music. So, therefore, you know, up-tempo, French core, terror, there's still a <laughs> ton of sampling going on. Yeah, yeah, but, but they can get away with it because it's, I mean, Young Tears and isn't going to, to YouTube for French core music, right? All right. I, I don't think he listens to that. 
If yeah, you compose yeah. that kind of music, then you're not going to go to the beach and then uh, let's relax with some Dr. Pico. Let's listen to some real music now. <laughs> He's no, not going to do it, that. It can only happen if by accident um, somebody yeah. uh, hears it uh, and also brings it to him. And if he is saying like, okay, fuck that, I'm going after him. Or maybe he says like, it's not yeah. worth it. If, if, if the YouTube comments explode, let's say if, if GPF... Uh, takes a, a frozen song and then everybody uh, uh, goes to uh, uh, let it go and then, ah GPF was here ah GPF was here then Disney of course is going to look what who's this GPF guy and yeah search for it yes, yeah I, I, I think that's that's how it can explode if if the fans go to the original and and say ah GPF brought me here or not GPF anyone else but you know this whole artificial intelligence gets also much smarter and like the True. content id and stuff um the maybe automatic stuff. youtube algorithms spotify algorithms exactly yeah, you yeah. know uh, i still get um some copyright claims on old dj mixes which are up like since i don't know when since ever and sometimes i get an email with a copyright claim because all of a sudden it recognized the song so mm-hmm. <laughs> actually it's funny uh, a couple of weeks ago i get a copyright claim on a demo track from a sample pack and i'm like okay let me look into it so i see who claimed it i see what the name of the song is and i go and i find it and some dude he took the whole demo of my sample pack track right of the, the demo the sample pack demo and uploaded it to this distribution and i get a copyright claim on that what how can you even live with yourself if you release something like that yeah and you know the 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 hardest part is it was from my ableton template thing so this whole thing you if you buy that pack you 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 have the whole project you could at least change some sounds you could change the midi you know you could do something he didn't do anything Either he opened that session and re-exported it or he just took the export which was in that folder and just Whoa. uploaded it under his name. In the credits, he wrote himself as the writer and producer of that track. <laughs> and like in his biography, he was like, yeah, he always had like a great ear for kick drums and melodies and shit. So, I mean, it's, it's a, it was kind of a small uh, Mexican kid. And, you know, I was like, yeah, fuck that. But I made a post in my Facebook group. And the dudes there, they really went after him. So when I make the post, I was like, hey, check this out. I got a just a copyright claim on my sample pack demo. And when I posted it, he had like five plays on his YouTube video. Next day, he had like something like 150 plays and like 20 comments. And everybody is like, you fuck and kill yourself and shit. I was like, dude, I didn't want to start a shitstorm on him. But um, yeah, he removed oh, it. <laughs> <laughs> Rightfully so. But man, okay. That, that's a nice demo track. Let's release it as my own. Yeah. <laughs> and also fill out publishing papers. Yeah, yeah, I'm the writer. Yeah, yeah, I made it all. Uh, uh, sure, I have, to, I have the project right here. But, you know, it goes to say, uh, it's perfectly possible that in a year, in five years, in ten years from now, those algorithms get so damn fucking good. They will even recognize uh, pitched up stuff. They will recognize like additional stuff played on it. Maybe yeah. effects. Maybe they will even recognize like a couple of seconds. You know, maybe not even like you know you, that you need to have like a long sample, but you know maybe you sample just like a wow or something, and it will recognize that. Who knows? 
yeah, I, I would have to watch out for that. Yeah, and then it could, <laughs> then it could, they could like really go back in a whole catalog like for the past 10 years. And True, then yeah. like you're in for a big time fee. That's that. Then we're not talking about like, yeah, you just need to pay the royalties which you received and take it down. Then we are really talking about like, yeah, fuck you. You still there? Yeah, yeah, I'm still okay. There. Your <laughs> your picture is frozen. <laughs> okay, now nah, now again. Uh, oh, you're holding it. Yeah. <laughs> I was about to to take a picture and send it to you. <laughs> We can do that. <laughs> so yeah, but but it, it, yeah, it's a it's a. It's a hard topic, yes. It, it it can go many ways, and I hope uh, it's not as bad as the coronavirus. <laughs> yeah, well, <laughs> you never know. <laughs> you, you 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 never know. I mean, like, who would have thought that we end up where we ended up? It's unbelievable. Like, I mean, I mean, it's cool to see to to go to uh, smaller DJs, go to the Facebook page. Scroll down to January. Yeah, 2020 is going to be my year. <laughs> Good luck, bro. <laughs> yep, totally was, man. <laughs> yeah, it's unbelievable. When that whole shit started, I was like, that can't be it. You know, they're not gonna lock down people. They're not gonna restrict them and everything. And yeah, little did I know. Yeah, yeah. And, and then at first you're like, yeah, sure. Like uh, maybe two months max. And then two months, that's really big. Oh, oh, maybe three then. Okay, four. Dude, it's half a year now, come on. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah let it go, really. <laughs> let it go. <laughs> you, how, how long can you hold that face? It must hurt, oh. like... <laughs> that's, that's your signature face, right? Like, on, dude, you're really not moving. That's crazy. So for those who are gonna listen to it later on the audio side, <laughs> he's making like his signature face and he's not moving. <laughs> yeah, I could go on for a while. <laughs> do, do you get some cramps somewhere in the cheeks or something? Does it hurt? No, I will hear my girlfriend tomorrow, I think, but it's okay. <laughs> I, I once went to uh, to um, to a party somewhere in Holland, and then there there came this guy from Spain to me, and he's like, "Dude, some people call you the troll face, but we don't know why." Ah, we know why, <laughs> dude. I am thought of that, but it's really the troll face. <laughs> <laughs> That's really the one. Later, when I edit that video, I'm gonna throw in that picture of that. Yeah, this, this is the thumbnail. Uh... Yeah. yeah. <laughs> the standard troll face. <laughs> If you hadn't said it, I wouldn't have thought about it. But now you said it, like, I totally see it. <laughs> yeah, man. Um, wow, we are already two hours in. It's gonna be a two-part episode. It's like <laughs> with you BKJN guys. Like, I had vandalism here before. Yeah, he, had like, he had 90 minutes or so. Uh... No, it was also two hours with him. It was? Yeah. Oh. It's two parts, definitely, with him. Oh, okay. Uh, <laughs> nice, nice. So, two-part episode. That's that's good. That's good. That's good. Then more, got... more content. Fuck <laughs> <laughs> the quality. Only quantity. <laughs> exactly. L like my music. With Super, <laughs> with super Trespass. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
Man, do you have some final words? Do you want to plug something? You you got uh, a new you got an album released as Super Trash Bros or not? Or? Uh, yes, yes, we have. Yeah. We we released it uh, in December together with the Sprinky uh, solo album and the High War solo album, and we're gonna do a next Super Trash album in November. Okay, next month. That's next month. Yeah, next month we're gonna do a solo album with. Super Trash. When you say you're gonna do, you're gonna release it or you're gonna start making it? No, we release it. It's already done. Okay, people, November. <laughs> Do you got a release date already? Uh, um, yes, but I have to look it up. Yeah, you can also say it's. Is it in the beginning or in the end? Uh, I think it's more like more or less in the beginning of November. Let me, let me check. That's cool because for the first time since I started that podcast, I'm really far ahead. I got already quite a lot recorded, so this one will be out in four weeks or so. So oh, maybe that's so. Will... Uh, the release is at the uh, 9th of November. Yeah, nice. That will be probably around the time where this uh, podcast will be released. So, all right. So then, this isn't news anymore. <laughs> I can safely. Yeah, but for those who listen, if it's like already after the 9th of November, check out the new Super Trash Bros album, level one, two, and make sure you add it to your Spotify own heavy rotation playlist and you play it. Even if you go to sleep, keep playing so the boys get some money. Exactly. And believe me, this once again is quality over quantity. Troll face. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, it's, it's once again music made for fun. It's, it's, it's supposed to, to enrich the experience. Yeah. And uh, we've got the, the label because it's coming on, on Bombs and Bullets, the record label from Sprinky and me. But there's, there's actually some great quality music with with new producers and known producers out there so what was the reason to start the label uh the reason the main reason was because um dr peacock has his vision for what french was supposed to be and i uh gladly released all my music over there but yeah. i had some tracks i made which were more up-tempo like uh, and i was like yeah I really like it. The technical part is really on point, but Dr. Peacock doesn't like it, and rightfully so. It doesn't uh, doesn't work with his vision for Frenchcore. Yeah. So I sent it to different record labels. I had some music at Party Racer recordings, but he is very strict in quality up tempo. And sometimes I'm in between up tempo and Frenchcore, and they both will not release it. Yeah. So then I. We went to some other labels and they're like, uh, you send in the music and then you don't hear anything. And then suddenly, yo, your track is being released tomorrow. Oh, yeah. Dude, <laughs> Dude. sure. <laughs> it doesn't work like that. No, exactly. Yeah. And uh, so this is the part where we decided to set up our own record label to also release uh, super trash music. And I also wanted to release at a constant pace. Yeah. So when I make music which doesn't suit uh, Peacock's label or Party Race's label, then we have our own. And um, I still will release at Peacock's labels because we're, we're still great friends and uh, my main French core tracks will still be on there. But I also have a lot of music which I want to show to the world which doesn't suit Peacock's or whoever's labels. Yeah, yeah that makes total sense. 
I always felt like that's the biggest pain in the ass to deal with labels. The only thing is like that you don't need to do this little bit extra work, which you have to do if you got your own label. But I also felt like they fuck up. They, you know, it happened to me. They even fuck up the title of the track. Oh, and yes. you cannot, yeah, and you cannot undo it. They fuck up the credits. They uh, always fuck something up. And you know, it's like it's it's cool if it's my label and I fuck it up. Okay, I take responsibility. But I don't want to be, I don't want to suffer because of somebody's incompetence. You know, and that's always like, and especially also this kind of you know punk attitude like you just described happened to me too. Like you don't yeah. hear anything half a year later. Yeah, next week your track is out, dude. I don't have a contract. I don't have anything. Nothing is out. Like, and, and, and the paperwork as well. And now I have everything in one place. Yeah. It, uh, it's, uh, it's the same distributor as uh, Peacock Records. It's at Reach Music. Maybe you know it. I'm sure yeah. you do. Yeah, and it works fine. I, I get a release schedule. Yeah, I uh, we planned the first release in July. And then uh, now everything until the Super Trash album is already planned, which is... Uh, the the ninth release on the 9th of november and everything um before that is already scheduled and yeah. we just released by the time of recording this interview we just released the fifth uh release so we, we have four releases still in, in schedule yeah oh. ah, that works perfectly fine i'm i've put some of my tracks on every release so i'm good <laughs> <laughs> right right yeah also that's also another thing with labels they got their own schedule sometimes and now you want to put out a track or happen also to me you release on different labels and one label puts it forward the other puts the release afterwards and all of a sudden you got two releases in one week from on two different labels yeah. i hate it i had it yeah yeah so so that's also a reason and i wanted a stable platform i mean you you sometimes use you send your music to different labels and one of those labels always your you you your music gets released and you're like yeah i just could have put it on soundcloud and i have the same exposure right. yeah <laughs> yeah sometimes you you just have it like this and now i'm like yes now i have a stable platform of my own so if if dr pico doesn't want the track or i i have a, a good and stable place on my own and sometimes i I make a track and I'm like, yeah, this doesn't even suit anything else. This is perfectly fine for Bombs of Bloods. Yeah. So this is going for our own platform. Great. Exciting. Yes, it is. <laughs> uh, I'm definitely going to link the label also here. So maybe you can send me a link. Yeah, I can. Sure. You, you, got, you got at least four weeks time <laughs> to do that. Oh, then I'll send you in three weeks. It's okay. Okay, all good. <laughs> all right, bro. Thank you so much for taking the time to yes. talk to our fellow Heart Dance producers, share a lot of wisdom, share a lot of experience, and also talk a lot of bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> yes, thank you as well. It was fun talking. Yeah, absolutely. We should do it again. <laughs> we sure will, man. All right, boys and girls. This is it for this episode. I hope you enjoyed this interview as much as I did. I sure as fuck had a lot of fun on that one. It was extremely funny and I enjoyed it quite a lot. If I'm not completely wrong, this episode will be released on the same release date as the Super Trash Bros album, the new one. So... I don't have the link yet, but I will attach the links to the label, to the Super Trash Bros project and everything else. And 
if you got excited, make sure you check out the new album. It will be probably a lot of fun to listen to that. Next week we are back again with another episode. And up until then, you have a good time, stay safe, thanks for tuning in. See you next week. Bye bye.